Hey, everybody, welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing and all of our other podcasts over at blisterreview.com. Today, we are talking about a very new organization called Black AF in STEM, which was started to encourage and support black individuals who are working in or who are just passionate about the fields of science, technology, engineering, and math. And Black AF in STEM was also started to encourage, support, and increase the visibility of black naturalists and black people who recreate and work outdoors. Our guest today is Tyler Jones, who was one of the organizers of Black Birders Week, And Tyler is also finishing up her master's degree from Penn State University, where she has been studying bees. So those of you who listened to last week's podcast, and then anybody who just happens to be a lover of bees, rejoice. So Tyler and I talked about all of the above, including the event that served as the catalyst for Black Birders Week. We talk about how and when Tyler herself caught the stem bug, which may or may not have something to do with Taco Bell. We talk a little bit about her master's thesis, which might have my favorite title of any academic paper ever. Well, I guess it's the unofficial title, but I am praying that Tyler does the right thing and makes it the official one. But no spoiler alerts about that for now. You're just going to need to listen to this conversation. And so with that, I am very happy to introduce you to Tyler Jones. Well, Tyler, how are you today and where are you today? Hey, so I'm pretty good. Like, it's a really nice warm day. I'm currently um, in the state college area, uh, just, you know, plugging away on my thesis. (laughs) (laughs) On your thesis. Now, just to clarify for people, when you say the state college area, some of our listeners might need to know, like, what that means, where that where oh, yeah. that's located. Of course, because like the, the world is bigger than where I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am sometimes um, though sometimes though when you're in grad school, it does not feel like the world is bigger, but yeah. Honestly, i my world has just gotten bigger than like my living room since I've like turned in some parts of my thesis to my advisor. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I am in uh, the state college Pennsylvania area right now, um, which is literally in the center of Pennsylvania, in the county of Center County, if that is not descriptive enough. (laughs) Well done. Well done, namers of that county. Way to way to keep it way to keep it clear. Well, this is going to be fun. There is this, I guess, new ish organization that you are a part of. And um, we wanted to learn more about it. And so uh, that's why I we figured we'd talk with you. So tell us a little bit about this organization with the very interesting name, Black AF in STEM. Yeah, so um, you are correct. I think Black AF in STEM is very new. I think as of like recording this, we are officially, what, 18 days old? If we're going by when Black Birders Week, like, hit on Twitter. Um, so, hmm, what what is Black AF and STEM? Right now, <laughs> I think like we're also trying to, you know, figure out exactly what it is. Right now it is literally everything. Um, uh, mostly I think we're just sort of a collective of um, mostly um, STEM professionals, so science, technology, uh, engineering and math um, professionals and professionals in the sense of we are people who like STEM, um, not even necessarily we are people who work in STEM, who are doing school in STEM. It's if you if you like STEM you're and you're Black, you're Black AF in STEM. Uh, and we actually got started, I guess, the official um, group um, as part of like Black Birders Week. Um, after the um, sort of uh, the viral uh, Christian Cooper 
uh, and, you know, the other Cooper sort of Central Park debacle um, where we wanted to uh, just have visibility of Black people in nature, um, Black people who like to experience nature and what nature can provide. And I, I like that we have the um, the AF. Am I allowed to cuss on this? Fuck yes. Oh, yes. Yes. So, I mean, if you don't know already, the AF is for ass fuck, which I really love um, just because I feel like in the group, it's um, we don't just want you to, you know, just be black in STEM. We want you to be black as fuck in STEM to show up 100% as yourself and to know that you don't have to change who you are or modify who you are to exist in these spaces. So maybe just for a minute, would you mind, you know, you mentioned the Christian Cooper tragedy. Would you mind saying a word about that or summing that up just in case there is somebody listening to this that doesn't know what happened? Uh, so if you haven't heard of the um, the Christian Cooper event, um, it is what about, uh, I guess it was like almost three weeks ago as of recording this. Um, Christian Cooper is a, a very well a pretty well-known birder. Um, he's um, mm-hmm. part of like the Audubon Association, um, and he was birding in a park in New York. Uh, it's a park in New York that, like, as a rule, a law is, you know, have your dogs on a leash, right? Um, and it's not just something to keep, you know, your, your dogs close to you, which, like, it is, but it's also for others who are enjoying these public areas Um, leashing your dog to one, make sure everyone else can enjoy the space and respecting that everyone else can and should be able to enjoy these public spaces. And if you're a birder, wanting dogs leashed is good for your birding um, because um, off-leash dogs, they will likely scare wildlife. You're trying to look at a bird, you don't want it to fly away with a dog. Um, And so uh, Christian Cooper um, was um, enjoying birding activities. He asked a woman to leash her dog. Um, and what is wild about the situation is that you would think asking someone to, you know, please follow a posted rule yeah. um, for a public space, not even like for other people, but like, again, for the safety of like your own dog, if you want to think about it in like an individualistic way, um, and instead of, you know, leashing her dog, she um, became very uh, aggressive, threatened to and did call 911. And like the part of the video that really like gets me is like the performance that she put on when she called 911. Like you can hear like ex- like distress when she is talking to them. Um, and she tells Christian, I'm going to tell them that an African-American man is threatening me. And like, you you know the threat that she is saying in her words, not that, oh, I'm just going to tell them you're African-American. It's saying, I'm going to tell them you're African-American and you know what they do to African-American men. And so she's screaming and crying into this phone call, um, repeating, there's an African man, African-American man threatening me. Um, and yeah, like it honestly, it took me a couple of times to get through the video just because it's like weaponizing the police like that is is not new. Um, but it's still always so jarring to see, especially when people know exactly what happens. Like she had to know she knew she knew exactly what she was doing when she was calling the police. And it's just oh, God. Yeah. So it's just, so yeah, after that, um, there was um, conversation in our group meet chat about it. And another one of our uh, members, uh, Anna, uh, mentioned that, hey, we should, y'all should do something to, you know, lift up black birders, especially in this time. Um, and so I think from seeing that video to Black Birders Week, like starting, it was mm-hmm. honestly like what, a two day turnaround. 
And so I think um, like that video, while it has, it's, it spurs a lot of like negative emotions personally when I watch it and I know it does in other people, um, but it, it did spur this, like this moment that we caught to um, change the narrative. And so that explains why this Black Birders Week kind of became a sort of seminal event for Black AF and STEM. It was kind of a, this the Black AF and STEM and Black Birders Week both directly a response to these events with Christian Cooper. So yeah, we've got a brand new organization, and and as you and I have been you know talking a bit prior to recording this, you've kind of said yeah we're we're honestly still kind of figuring out a lot of things and you know what this group should be and what we should do. And I guess I would be curious to hear just a little bit more. I mean, I think you've already said really well, like, listen, people, this has to be okay. Like, this has to be okay where, as you put it, friends of STEM can go do their thing. People can watch birds in the park and not feel threatened, right? So talk a little bit more maybe, though, about some of the other kind of conversations that are happening within the group. Um, and I, I presume this is all kind of preliminary, but um, in terms of how everybody's thinking about how broad do we go with this or what are some of the kind of biggest objectives or initiatives being identified already? Yeah, so – um, like you said, yeah, we are very new. It's all still, um, it's sort of like like an amorphous like glob. It's just like there are so many possibilities, and I think right now we're we're at the point of sort of um, like reflecting on everything um, that has come up because of Black Birders Week, either like opportunity wise or like partnership wise, um, and just sort of finding a clear way on how to best go forward. Um, some of the conversations that have happened um, since then are, uh, I think a lot of it is um, doing more like outreach. Um, I think like, at the moment now, um, even without having like a specified mission, visibility is still one of our core values and just making sure we stay with the momentum and keep that visibility um, some of the um, events with Black Birders Week offered up partnerships with uh, larger, larger organizations um, and keeping those outside of Black Birders Week is um, a very important goal of Black AF and STEM because you can't say that you, uh, you're you with us and you hear us during the week that we actually like ask you to. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's consistency is what we're going for, especially with some of these opportunities that have um, lined up since Black Birders Week. And it's like, it's making sure that that consistency uh, is still there, even when, you know, we don't have a trending hashtag right now. Yeah. And I'd be curious to know how many other groups are you aware of that are out there sort of in let's say the broadest version of you know the STEM field, mm-hmm. where we're trying to, like you've said, increase visibility, you know, improve representation, expand the kind of idea for like who is actually out there in, involved and invested and passionate about these areas in the broadest sense. Like, does Black AF and STEM feel like wildly unique in that sense to you? Or are you kind of like, well, there are definitely some other organizations like trying to do this. This is just, you know, our effort to really maybe turn the volume up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we actually uh, just talked about this. There are other groups. So there's um, there's Black in STEM. Um, There's also uh, Vanguard STEM. And there are other like pockets that are sort of um, for their specific area. Um, and we are looking to partner with them. I think that something that is unique about Black AF and STEM is that we um, we caught on to the moment. Like I said, right after Christian Co- the Christian Cooper event happened, 48 hours, Black Birders Week started. 
And I think that is uh, something that's very unique to Black AF and STEM. And I, at the moment, I do not have like my finger on exactly how that is. I will say that um, it could be due, especially to now that everyone is sort of uh, sheltering in place. Maybe we're on our computers more, we're on our group chats more. I think also we're sort of the generation uh, in Black AF and STEM that have grown up with sort of online communities and like communicating online that I think being at that sort of technological sort of interface um, really helped with it, Um, right? Because a lot of us, even before Black Burgers Week happened um, and Black AF and STEM as a collective started, we all already knew each other on Twitter and Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. So like we already... Um, like we've seen like viral campaigns, we've seen how other um, social media sort of um, movements have happened. We've you know participated in those, and like other groups exist, um, and we do uh, want to actively work with them. Um, I think something that's also very um, inspiring about our group is our commitment to lift as you climb. We can't individually succeed unless we all succeed. And as we succeed, we're going to make sure everyone in here does as well. Like there, there's enough success for everyone to have some. Like, hmm. and so I, yeah, I think that is something that will um, set Black AF and STEM apart from some of these um, other groups. Right? It's just that, yeah. not that they aren't great, and they are. I think it's just the the combination of I think the like the people who are in Black AF and STEM plus sort of our savvy at being I don't know online all the time. <laughs> it's it's sort of like the perfect mix um, that like I think even my parents are very surprised. They're like, oh wow, all the time she used to spend on MySpace is actually <laughs> doing something. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a bit about this uh, Black Birders Week. Um, I mean, you were a co-organizer of this. What, what, I mean, this just happened, right? Um, so tell me a little bit about it. What, what was it? Yeah. So um, Black Birders Week uh, was a response to um, specifically the Christian Cooper event. Um, and more broadly, I think it is um, a response to sort of the way that Black people are viewed in nature, um, right? And especially with like pandemic happening, um, with uh, George Floyd, uh, his murder, and the resulting uh, protests. It's it is a it, it's a, a moment for people to sort of one reflect on maybe how they have viewed black people and black people's maybe place in nature and whether they belong. And it's a place to um, find um, joy um, and joy in resistance and resisting those stereotypes and those negative connotations of black people in nature. I think um, especially in um, like in uh, outdoor activities, uh, like hiking, snowboarding, um, swimming, um, really anything. It's a lot of times you hear, oh, black people don't do that. Like, mm-hmm. right. It's, uh, and it's, and it's not true. Um, because it's just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it isn't happening. Right. Like you can't see air, but you're breathing it. And it is finding a place not to escape from the realities of the world, but to remember that Black people aren't just, you know, suffering, right? We're not here as like your trauma porn. We're not here for you to just see um, these viral videos of us being attacked and our humanity being put into question every day, right? And it's, and it's, it's especially... Black Birders Week was especially for, you know, it was for Black people because um, whether 
non-Black people realize it or not, literally every day we see people who look like us killed every day. Like right after George Floyd, you, you don't even get 24 hours until there's another one, right? Like there are so many hashtags and it's baffling because the number of hashtags that there are for black people who have been murdered for reasons that are honestly just racism is so long and those hashtag lists aren't even complete, right? Like those are just the ones that we know of. It, it's wild. Um, and I just, I think that Black Birders Week, and especially in like some of the comments we got from other participants was like, you know, I really needed this right now. I was not in a good place. And like a lot of us in Black AF and STEM, when Black Birders Week um, started, we were like, we're not, we're not in a good place. It's not a healthy place to be in when you know that every day uh, you wake up and you're like, first thing you're going to see is probably someone else has died. And I was talking about this with one of my friends and I was like, wow, when I say friend, I say I was talking about this with my therapist. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, well, it's so weird because it's like, I don't think anyone else realizes that maybe like something that I think about is that if I want to go for longer than a day without knowing or seeing that someone else who is black has died is like, honestly, almost for me to die myself, right? Like, how can I not see and know that that is happening, right? And I don't think a lot of people realize sort of the, like, sort of baseline state of trauma that a lot of black people are feeling right now, especially in these areas where maybe we don't have anyone else that we're safe or comfortable talking about this with. And it's hard because it's like, cool. Like I just saw, you know, a video was posted on my Twitter and I didn't like close it. I, and I just saw someone killed, but I guess I do have to go to this meeting. So let me go do that. And I can't, you know, be upset about it because then I'm the upset and angry black woman, right? And then you can't say, oh, well, I'm upset because this person that I didn't necessarily know was killed because then they're like, well, you didn't know them. So why does it matter? And it's like, it matters because like, I don't know every black person in the world, but that's my community, right? You don't know who you could know or could have known, right? Like, um, and this goes back to like our group me, like none of us, well, most of us don't know each other like in real life. Like I first met everyone in Black Age and STEM in this group chat. I only met, I met a couple of our members. I met Jason because I happened to be at a conference back home in Atlanta. And a, like me and a couple of other uh, members of the group were like, we're going to be in Atlanta. Who's going birding? And I actually tagged along. And I just happened to see the group me message. So like, it, it's hard sort of just like dealing with it. And I feel like a lot of black people, we sort of don't talk about it, but it's always in the background of like our literal existence, right? And at least for me, Black Birders Week was, it was a bomb in the sense that I was like, yeah, um, like injustices are happening every day. They've been happening for centuries. Um, it seems like people are sort of waking up, but I'm finding hope in my community and strength in my community, um, and making sure that our community knows, you know, that, you know, we've got you, right? You may not know another black birder in your area, but we want you to know that there are other black birders, right? And I define birder, honestly, very loosely. If, because I, <laughs> I can't am, wait to hear just this. Just because yeah. I am myself not, I'm not a great birder, <laughs> but <laughs> I define birding and being a birder as like, can you tell if it's a bird or not? Right. <laughs> and I will say this. I am not a hundred percent on that either, because sometimes I do think it's a bird and it is a trash bag, but I feel like. Honestly, if you're like 50-50, it's, 
it works. <laughs> if, if you if you if you're right fifty percent of the time right. that it's a bird, okay. Like a broke a broken clock is right twice a day. So, yeah. Tyler, I'm glad that you just went ahead and confessed that story about sometimes <laughs> mistaking birds like trash bags for birds, because you had told me that, and I was definitely going to tell everybody <laughs> that. Uh, so I'm glad you I'm glad you came forward. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I've ever made that mistake, but I'm definitely. It I'm, was far away. Okay, <laughs> from far away, these things get difficult. But uh, <clears throat> yeah. So what I've learned today so far, you know, among other things, is a STEM professional just means somebody who likes STEM, and then you are a birder if fifty percent of the time. <laughs> You can tell that the thing you're pointing at is a bird. Yeah, and it That's might sick. Okay. It might even be less. I just wanted to pick a number that made me sound a little bit more competent. Um, and I think with birding too, like you don't even have to be able to see the bird just because they're hmm. vocal. Like That's true. Right? Yeah. So like you can even, be like, I think that's a bird it. I hear. And yeah. I think like like my auditory like bird or not is better than my visual. Okay. Because if I hear like okay. tweet tweeting bird, right? Bird. Yep. So it's either like a bird or like a ringtone. That's also a bird. So it's it's. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so ringtones <laughs> count as birds. Okay. All right. I like that we're I like that we're setting some parameters here. So yeah, like like Jason uh, Ward. He like knows bird calls, right? Like okay. Now wait a sec. You've mentioned Jason a couple times mm-hmm. now. So so it's Jason Ward. Yes. Okay, and he kind of is the founder of Blackbirders Week. Or talk a little bit more about Jason, and and uh, and then we'll get to Jason and his bird calls. <laughs> so yeah, Jason is great. Jason is like fantastic birder. He's uh, originally from uh, New York. Uh, he's from. The Bronx? Brooklyn? I don't know. We're going to say New York because if I get the borough wrong, I think he might take me out of the group me. Um, But like currently he's in Atlanta, so it doesn't really matter anymore because once Atlanta has you, you live there now. Like whatever. Um, (laughs) And he's actually the host of uh, Birds of North America on, um, what is it? Is it on, is it on Riot? It's on the internet. I know that. I forget the... I forget the channel because I mostly watch YouTube, so I don't know channels anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he like started the multiple iterations of the group chats that have turned into Black AF and STEM. Um, and so the actually the first and only time I have officially birded was with Jason, and we were um, we were birding right like a, a bit north of Atlanta. And we were like in this uh, park, we walked down this trail. It was him, me, um, uh, Juita Martinez, who's also a co-organizer of Black AF and STEM, um, Monique Pipkin, who's um, uh, in our Black AF and STEM um, uh, group me, um, and uh, Tyus, Tyus Williams, um, who is um, science with Tyus. He's also in Black AF and STEM. But um, we were just like, sort of at this old, like, like park. It's like, I guess it's like a nature preserve. We like hiked a little and like, you just hear bird calls. They all sound the same to me. Jason is just like, this is this bird, this bird, this bird. Don't you see it in the tree? And I was like, Jason, I don't see anything. I was like, my glasses are clean. Like this is a fairly new prescription. I see nothing. (laughs) And then you're like, wait, I see one, Jason. He's, yeah, like, he's like, that's a trash bag. That's a bag. trash bag, exactly. Yeah. You're like, Damn it, next time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like, I mean, I don't think I've ever officially been birding. But so the fact that you got to go with like, kind of like a super legit birder yeah. and Jason, that's pretty good. Like if you're going to go once, sounds like you hit it like just the right way. <laughs> yeah, that's why it's like, it's all downhill from here. Like they're all trash yeah. bags now, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about your own background in STEM. There's some good stories connected with this too, but like, how did you get 
introduced to uh, this broader field? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it was like the, you know, you do pretty well in high school, you go to college. Um, I, um, I went to undergrad at Georgia Tech, um, which I'll be honest, was the, um, the only uh, school that I applied to because I applied, I applied early and I got my acceptance before I finished my other applications. And so I was like, well, that's done. Um, <laughs> uh, and so I actually did my, uh, my bachelor's in psychology at Georgia Tech. Um, and at Georgia Tech is where I sort of started realizing like, oh, I actually like this. I, I do love this. And while I was there, I'm actually, I'm not like, I'm not a birder. Birder. I don't like study birds. So I think it's like, it's fine for me to not be great at bird ID because I'm actually um, an entomologist, I guess, by training. Um, and yeah. so at Georgia Tech, I needed a job because I wanted, you know, I needed money. <laughs> Gosh, this is so embarrassing. I needed money to like, you know, order Taco Bell and like the things that I like from like Ulta and Sephora, right? And I can't mm-hmm. do that without money because the right. way the world works and it's just right. horrible. Um, and so I, I actually answered <laughs> a job advertisement that was for a student assistant. Um, and on the, uh, the ad, it was like, may also work with bees. <laughs> God. So I was like, well, you know, I don't think I'm allergic. And it's $10 an hour. Yeah. So hell that's yeah. That's a lot of Taco Bell. That's a lot of Taco. I mean, that's a lot of Taco Bell, right? That's that's so many like 20 piece chicken nuggets, yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> which like in undergrad is honestly all that I really ate, which is probably not yeah. great, but it's cool. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, what, what we all ate in grad school and high school and every yeah it's like we can't be held accountable we for can't that. those don't even count anymore so right <laughs> and so um that's actually how I got started sort of more into the natural sciences was my need for Taco Bell money <laughs> once again Tyler I appreciate your honesty because if you had not if you had not come forward I was definitely gonna call you out so I this is this is good we're we're good now um, Taco Bell got you into STEM. It, oh gosh, they should sponsor me, but they're so bad. They make bad donations to bad people. Oh no. Ah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's what I, that's how I started. Um, and so I actually worked for, um, uh, the Georgia Tech, um, Urban Honeybee Project, which was great. Hmm. Um, I started there like the first year that it started. I remember, um, like helping my mentor, uh, Dr. Jennifer Levy um, at Tech. She, like, uh, I, I remember putting like the foundations into the frames and just like being in this room. And it's like, what am I doing today? I'm putting these wax foundations into these wooden frames, boxes of them. Like, and it's, it was, it was, I don't know, it was, it was zen. It was very nice. It was great because like it ended up like smelling like wax, which is really, like fresh wax is always like one of my favorite smells. And it, it taught me a lot about bees real quick because um, like you, you think like, oh yeah, you know, bees are cool, whatever, it's fine, this will work. And then you realize, oh, to install a colony of bees, I need this smaller box of bees and I have to like dump them into this bigger box. And bees, I don't know if any if you're familiar, they don't really like being like shaken up like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have one of those little smoke thingies? What yeah. do you call the smoke they're, gun? They're literally called smokers. <laughs> smokers. Just okay. a smoker. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I learned, like, beekeeping there, and it's all because of Taco Bell. Um, and so... Um, I love that story so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. I got into science because of Taco Bell. It's the best story I've ever heard. I really, really love Crunchwraps, mm-hmm. so it's it's okay. I own it. I'm okay with it. <laughs> we got to keep talking about bees for a little bit yeah. here because, you know, like, it's funny. We'd exchanged a number of emails, 
and you held out on me. <laughs> I, it was like your last email to me. I don't even remember exactly how it came up, but because I'm like on this B kick now, right? Because our last, our last blister podcast, we talked to the makers of the pollinators. And so this is like, I'm in some wild coincidence of life right now where, you know, two weeks ago, we, I was talking to my friend Sanjay Rawal about this film Gather and food systems and food sovereignty. And then it just kind of so happened in the lineup. Um, and by the way, this week now is Pollinators Week. So that's happening, bee people. And so I'm getting this like crash course in bees the last couple weeks and then I find out, like, you are literally, well, you have just wrapped up and recently defended, correct? Yeah. A thesis on honeybees? Yeah. <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> so you got in, thanks to Taco Bell, into the world of bees, and then you stuck with it enough to somehow go from Georgia Tech to Penn State to continue research on the African honeybee? Do I have this right? No. So um, I am working on the European honeybee. That's the um, European honeybee, honeybee. The honeybee that we have um, here. Um, but I did uh, work. I mostly like tagged along and shadowed other people who worked on it. But I, um, I did uh, get the chance to go to Kenya um, and meet up with um, some collaborators uh, who do work on African honeybees because they are Honeybees in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out, yeah. There's honeybees everywhere, Everywhere. right? Thing I learned recently, maybe except Antarctica. I think so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Look at me. (laughs) Look at me, Tyler. (laughs) Knowing stuff about bees. (laughs) It's it's a good moment for me right now. Okay, so what made this move? Like, how did you, you just got fascinated with this whole world and, and then you're like, I'd love to keep this going? And so... Tell, tell me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I did, um, I worked for the Georgia Tech Urban Honeybee Project my last two years of undergrad. Um, and in like the time between undergrad and um, grad school, I still volunteered because I'm, um, I'm, I'm from the Atlanta metro area. So on a good day, I'm only like 20 minutes from Georgia Tech. But on like a normal day, that 20 minutes really is like almost 45 minutes to an hour just because, you know, traffic. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just I really I liked it a lot. Um, I loved working with honeybees just in general. And I did. um, And I loved uh, sort of like the people that I was able to meet and be around while working with honeybees. And I realized like, wow, I don't actually know that much about them. Um, I did get my... um, beekeeper certification um before I started grad school it's like a it's an actual test and everything like there's a practical and there's like a written exam (laughs) I think my mom like has my certificate but yeah I just wanted to know more and like even like applying to grad school and like figuring out what I was going to do in grad school it was like I was very like bright-eyed and I was like oh I don't know I just like bees um (laughs) and so obviously like the first year hurdles of like um I can do everything all at the same time at once and narrowing that down to what I ended up doing which is um honeybee nutritional ecology and so honeybees like people gotta get their macros you know gotta get your fats your proteins your carbs um and so they get those macros uh from two main sources Carbs are from uh, nectar and honey. Fats and proteins are from pollen. Um, So when you're sneezing during pollen season, don't be that mad because, you know, it's feeding. It's for it's for the insects. It's it's not Mm -hmm. for you. Um, So I work. It's not about you and your allergies. It's not about you. (laughs) So I um, looked at sort of how the macros in pollen uh, vary depending on like the pollen uh, source. Um, and then how like those variations can impact, um, honeybee colonies. So it's really, I mean, it's really fun. And I think I'm saying this now because I'm almost finished with it. If you had asked me if this was fun when I was Mm -hmm. actually doing the stuff, I would have said no. Um, (laughs) 
But like I, I got the opportunity to work with like beekeepers around the state of Pennsylvania um, where they would collect pollen for me. And so the fun thing about um, honeybees is that when they collect pollen, they sort of pack it all together on their hind legs um, in these very convenient little balls. Um, and if you can put sort of like this pollen trap on your colonies, um, which is like a box, it can go either like at the front, you can put it like on the bottom of your colonies and it'll make a, a new exit for the returning um, bees to come through, right? So it'll close off their original exit that goes straight into the colony. It'll force them to go through this new exit, this new um, entrance where they have to like walk through like mesh and the mesh is just wide enough for their bodies to fit, but not the, um, the pollen that they collected. So it just pops off from like the sides of their legs and it goes into a very convenient drawer that you can pull out, dump into a bag, right? And so I had a couple of beekeepers around the state who would do that for me monthly, which like, uh, bless them, bless them for just, <laughs> thank you so much oh my god <laughs> and um so like they would collect that pollen and just store it in their freezers until the next time like they saw uh me or uh my lab manager who also bless her for helping me deal with this and then i would just have bags of pollen like in freezers and again bless my lab for dealing with all the pollen that took up all the freezer space um <laughs> and so like with that pollen um at least with like the different little like balls uh, I would look at the I would sort them by color right and like let me tell you how many shades of yellow there are in the world infinite so many I almost like I toyed around with naming like that chapter of my thesis 50 shades of yellow <laughs> oh my god that have been perfect <laughs> Can we go back? Is there still time? I mean, it's not technically submitted yet, but... <laughs> 50 Shades of Yellow is perfect. Oh. Right. It's, and oh. it's... <laughs> God, it's just how many how many shades of yellow are there? So many. Um, well, so... And how do, you, how do you end up deciding? Like, okay, th we need... This is this small, sh you know, subtle shade represents a different this is number 47 now it, it doesn't get lumped in with 46 how mm -hmm. do like so i actually i use a chart so there was i found a paper and like sorting pollen by color isn't new like everyone like a lot of people do it um and it's done pretty often but we don't all use like the same chart and like and if they use a chart a lot of times it's not published right so i i um <laughs> Which is so hard because, like, I can't. You're saying you're saying right to me, but like, I, I'm like, <laughs> no, like, I don't. I'm like, not going <laughs> to agree with that. Why? Why is there no standardization? Oh, it's, it's so hard because I am terrible at making decisions, and so if I have to decide if this is like yellow number one or yellow number twelve, I can't do that. I'm going to be very honest. And so I actually, um, uh, when I was reading for papers and stuff, there was um, a study that did it for pollen, um, and they published their chart. And so I used like a, I used a chart and I was like, well, this, this is how I'm going to do it. These, these are the shades that I'm going to do. And I'm just going to get as close as I can with some of them. And so, yeah, I used, I used a chart that was published like of colors that are in other pollens. And it was made by, um, uh, for their study, they had like an expert palynologist, which is just, you know, a person who studies pollen and other spores who made the chart. And so I was like, well, I trust it. I'm going to use this because if I have to make my own, we're going to be here forever. <laughs> yeah. Now, all right. Since, you know, I'd like to fancy myself as a friend of STEM, mm -hmm. help me one more time. Like, explain for me, like, why are we bothering to tease out all of these different shades? The importance of, like, teasing out these different shades is to show what yeah so oh i feel like i'm doing a, a paper talk so um yeah you are <laughs> it's just a one-on-one -on -one paper talk <laughs> so um the uh the, the theory behind the sorting by shade is for uh it's floral constancy right well not right but so as 
So when honeybees forage on pollen, they will typically stick to the same, um, same, same kind of like flower, right? So if an individual honeybee forager is um, foraging on, um, what is a flower name? Like, I don't know, like a daisy, it's going to stick to daisies, right? It's not going to jump from this kind of flower to a different kind, right? So essentially, each like pollen pellet will be of the same pollen or mostly of the same type of pollen. And uh, sorting by color is an easier metric than making slides of all of your pollens and then IDing them that way. Because at least if we have them all by color, you can use it as like a quick proxy for diversity. And it's not um, completely one-to-one just because like a lot of pollen is yellow. So like one color could be multiple different types of actual pollens. And one pollen type of one plant could be multiple different colors. So like uh, an example could be uh, there is a kind of pollen and I forget the name, um, but I mean, I can send you the paper if you want. (laughs) Um, And the pollen actually ranges from like a white-ish color to like a dark purple. And the color of the pollen depends on exposure to um, UV. Um, And so like the darker colors for more protection against UV exposure. Yeah, so sorting to color, it's not perfect, but for what you can see, it's pretty okay. Um, and so I, for my, um, my thesis, I mostly used the pollen color, especially like just because having all of these different types of pollen, it would be like massive um, for me to like ID them all separately and individually. But we, I did verify some of those with uh, an expert paleonologist um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> collaborator. So like for some of the more um, prevalent color morphs that I found or that I, I had in my samples, um, I did like make slides and send them to her. And so that whole process is really fun. I got to learn um, pollen acetolysis, which is just like using sulfuric acid to get all of like the gunk um outside and inside of the pollen like away so you can just sort of see the the shell that is like the outside sort of morphology of it because that's how you um id pollen just by like what the individual um pollen um grains look like which is really cute like asters look like so like asters like sunflowers and stuff they are usually like spiky little balls um if a plant is in like the mint family, the pollen looks like these cute little beach balls. I mean, they, it looks like little baby peppermints. It's adorable. <laughs> I like that you're you're trying to sell me on like pollen science no. by like telling me how cute it is. It's, it's great. Really it's a, no, yeah, I think like if I um, if I had like more time and money. I would love to have gone more in depth with the um, like pollen identification from uh, some of my thesis work because it, I mean, it's just so cool. I really, I really like it. <laughs> hmm. So um, that said, though, you are wrapping up a thesis and you are starting to think about what do I want to do with myself, you know, after this master's work, right? And um, talk a little bit about that. I mean, you aren't necessarily going to stay working in the bee world. Um, you might go a bit broader than that. Yeah. I. So, I mean, uh, options are open. Let's be honest. Yeah, that's good. That's smart. <laughs> um, but I do think that a, a break would be good. And I like everyone deserves to take the breaks that they need. Um, and uh, some of the like aspects of being in grad school that I think I really loved weren't necessarily tied to, you know, my work with bees. Um, like some of my most fulfilling experiences were with 
mentoring other like students in my lab, students in my department, um, sort of like starting groups with other other students. I um, co-founded a data visualization group with two of my um, my friends. And I think like at the end of the day, like what I what I found that I really loved doing during grad school was um, translating information into knowledge and helping others translate, you know, their information and their data into usable knowledge. Um, uh, An example from the data visualization club that me and um, some friends started was one, it was sort of um, a front because (laughs) one of my uh, co-founders wanted to, you know, get people more practice at coding with their data. So we use um, R, which is an open source statistical package. And she was like, everyone should use R. So it was a front for that, first of all. Um, but <laughs> but my sort of um, contribution to it was I really love helping people take the data that they have from their experiments um, and communicate what that data means. And I think a lot of times we see these academic papers, we see these graphs, and it's one graph trying to tell us seven different things. The caption also has three like paragraphs. If you and if you don't have like a color printer, then you're you're out of luck. You're shit out of luck if you don't have a color printer. Yeah. Um, right? So because I mean like a sometimes dash lines, mm-hmm. if you gotta print it small, it's not gonna help. Uh, <laughs> and so like I really loved helping people you know, find sort of one, figure out like what, what their audience is um, and figure out what, what am I trying to say with this specific visualization or with this like paragraph, because I also really like editing other people's work. Um, (laughs) If we're being honest, my favorite thing to do during grad school was to tell other people what to do. And I think that's been something that I've loved to do since forever. Pretty sure my kindergarten uh, report card was <laughs> very bossy. promising, but a little bossy. Like literally, I think it was. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. And my dad had to write back. She Tyler promises to be less bossy. That was a lie. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Sometimes you know. Well, what it's funny what I what I hear you saying here. It's it's kind of cool, and and we, you and I talked about this a bit, you know, prior to to recording this conversation. But you know, on the one hand, right, we we got started laying out Black AF and STEM and the importance of that, and like expanding the visibility and expanding representation, right? And that is wildly important stuff. But now, what you're talking about is now we've got more people and people of color, right? Like in STEM. And it's like, look, we're here and we're doing this good work. But now you're talking about translating it. And, you know, to people who aren't just in our little academic circles. And I think that's critical. Like, and and they both go hand in hand, I think really, really nicely, right? So on the one hand, it's like, look, we're here in these fields doing the work. And then if your thing is like, well, you know, being bossy, but also helping people in these academic circles translate that work to those of us who aren't in those same circles. That's super important, right? And they seem to go kind of hand in hand. Well, it sounds like really good when you say it. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can, you can use that. (laughs) But it's true. I'm just listening. Um, Add that to my CV. (laughs) Yeah, no. And um, I mean, I, you know, like, like we said, I mean, my stuff back in the day, that translation stuff, like super mattered to me, you know, and I kind of always felt like, if we can't translate the work we're doing at, you know, kind of a high level, whether it's in philosophy, whether it's in, you know, B science, if we can't translate that back to like, normal people, like people not in those in our fields, in our classrooms, we're, we're kind of messing up and these things do matter and they matter so much that we need people like you 
helping us all translate that stuff. Like, let's get this back. You know, when when we have a chance to spend times in universities, let's make sure that we're doing a good job of like, yo, we just learned this stuff. And it's really important and really fascinating. And let's be sure that like we get that info back in front of everybody else. So I applaud. Thank you. The effort. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and if I just clarified anything for you, then you know, you owe me Taco Bell next time I see you. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> when when we're when we're birding, right? Well, listen, Tyler, I want to let you get going, but um, before I do, maybe we just come back to talking about Black AF and STEM, and I don't know. Let's be sure. One, we identify where people can follow along. And then, um, I don't know, any, is there any specific ways where we might be able to kind of be supporting Black AF and STEM or um, anything along those lines? Yeah. So as we are sort of a pretty decentralized group, we're all in our uh, respective uh, shelter in place, social distancing um, areas. We're mostly on social media. Um, so we are um, at Black AF and STEM on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I think Facebook might also exist in the future, maybe. Please don't quote me on that one. Um, <laughs> but definitely Twitter and Instagram. Um, and I think to support our group, uh, specifically right now, I think we are asking that support goes to some of the organizations that we um, also support right now. I, we're not currently taking donations right now um, at the time of recording, just because we're still, um, we want to figure out what to do with them before we accept yeah. anymore. Um, and then also to support us, like know that to sp- support us as a collective really starts at supporting um, black people in general, right? You can't support, you know, sort of our conglomeration of a few black faces on social media without making the commitment to supporting black people where you are and black people everywhere. And it's not even asking for perfect support. It's asking just for, you know, consistent support, right? You can't just support us during Black Birders Week. And you, you can't just support us when like the next hashtag is going viral because we, we can see we can see that. And um, it's asking um, people to support us without qualifiers. Right. We shouldn't have to be a safe choice. Right. You shouldn't only support black people who, you know, are doing what you agree with black people who are um, appropriately um, protesting. And you should support black people who are themselves 100 percent. So like if you if you want to support black AF and STEM, then you need to know that that support has to be for everybody because we are for everybody. And like, however you can, honestly, I think a lot of support um, can be just like starting to, you know, put the work in and learn and being open to learn, which is hard, um, especially for groups who are not used to, you know, having to, you know, check themselves uh, and their privilege as often. Um, I've seen the phrase um, um, allyship fatigue. And it's, you know, people who want to be allies, but like, it's a lot to learn and, you know, you don't want to burn out from it, but realize that like, you know, true allyship isn't, you know, you read some books today and you're done, you know, it's, it's an everyday thing to be an ally. Um, And it's not, it's not like a destination, you know, to be a supportive ally. It is literally a journey, Right. You can only get better um, at supporting Black people and being an ally to Black people with practice. Um, And practice comes with failure, right? You're not going to get everything right. But true support shows 
you being willing to learn from those failures, right? It shouldn't be, oh, well, you should be happy that I'm even supporting you at all right now. I can't believe you're treating me like this. It's, you know, maybe taking some time to reflect on why, you know, you're upset that you were told that you were wrong. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rather than lashing out at people who may be, you know, saying to you that something that you've done, something that you've said may not be, you know, the right kind of allyship in the moment and like figuring out, hey, why am I upset about this? And what is this actually saying? Because just because you've done something wrong in your journey to learn to be a better ally doesn't mean that you are like yourself going to be a bad ally, right? So yeah, I think that is it. If you want to support Black AF and STEM, obviously donate to Black AF and STEM when you can. Um, donate to um, some of our organizations that we uh, support and just support Black people. Support the people who make the organization because the organization is nothing without the people. Yeah, and it seems like a big part of this is, I mean, to come back to sort of the beginning is getting over this idea of like, well those types of people aren't birders or that's weird. That person is trying to do a thesis on honeybee nutrition. Like we got to get over that stuff right now. Right. And stop putting up these kind of obstacles or, or friction. Right. And instead, right. Just having this attitude of like, wait, what are you into? Amazing. Tell me about it. That sounds so basic to say, um, and yet maybe we kind of still, unfortunately have to say it. Yeah. Like, I think at the point that we are in now, I think, um, I guess I do like some work in like equity and inclusion. Um, and at the moment, I think we are, we're really honestly just at the part of desegregation, right? So like mm -hmm. we can be in the same places, but it's not true inclusion if me being in a place if i get the side eye from people like if if i mm -hmm. go out hiking and someone is looking at me like i do not belong here it's it's inclusion doesn't just mean opening up a space for black people and um other people of color to just exist uncomfortably and to just sort of be there, but the environment is one that they wouldn't enjoy. Like you can, you can yeah. say I can come in, but like if you make the environment so that I never want to come back, that's not inclusion. Um, and I think it's going to take, it's going to take like hard work um, on like other people's part um, just because like, at least in the United States, like the history is not of one of true inclusion. And I get why people take it hard to change their ways, right? It's like, there's an in-group, you know, you're part of the in-group and you get the luxuries of that in-group. Uh, and if we change things now and make things more inclusive, you may lose luxuries, right? But I think it's so much bigger, like equity is so much more worth um, a couple of privileges that you think you may or may not lose. Like you don't even know, right? It's the fear of losing something is outweighing making sure that everyone can have access to that something. Well, on that note, Tyler, thank you for the conversation. Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing what, um, what Black AF in STEM is up to, and I'm looking forward to see how it evolves. And I'm looking forward to seeing the work that you are going to go on to do in terms of translating science and maybe through data visualization and maybe through other means. And um, yeah, you, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in general. And I think it sounds like you got a lot uh, you're about to uh, go get after as well. So um, it's cool. And I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you taking the time to tell me about it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This is really fun. And I it didn't embarrass myself as much as I thought, which is cool. <laughs> 
But now my mom's going to know that I only got a job for Taco Bell. So. She is going to know that. It's true. But, you know, there's worse things probably our mothers could find out about us. So I, yeah, think, I, think, you're still, I think you're still ahead of the game. Well, listen, Tyler, thank you. And um, yeah, good luck with all the work and uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime down the line. Yeah, thanks. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks so much to Tyler for the conversation. And again, Tyler, Fifty Shades of Yellow. Just do it. Official title. You got this. Um, And also, you can find Black AF in STEM on Twitter and Instagram at Black AF in S-T-E-M. Pretty straightforward. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. We will talk to you again next week.